Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for the sixth Sunday of Easter. That's May 14th, 2023. And this week we're picking up right where we left off last week. And we'll be looking at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Now, just as... um. As some context here, some background, if you remember, the Last Supper begins in the Gospel of John already in John chapter 13. There, Jesus washes the disciples' feet as as the master serving his servants, as the rabbi serving his students, and that is all the more moving and poignant in that uh, He knows that he will be crucified within a day's time, and yet rather than be concerned with himself, he is always perfectly loving those around him and here uh, washing his disciples' feet. As the, uh, the evening continues in John 13, Jesus predicts his betrayal. He, uh, commands the, uh, Disciples with a a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And he foretells Peter's denial. So by the end of chapter 13, you have this vivid picture that on the eve of, of the crucifixion of Jesus... He is still Jesus, the Son of God who who has come in perfect love to redeem the world, who cares for his disciples and loves them. And the disciples are still the disciples. One of them is going to betray Jesus. He commands them to love one another because they're not going to do it otherwise. And even Peter, the foremost of the disciples, is going to deny Jesus before the day dawns the following day. After John 13... We have John 14, 1 through 41. That was our Sunday school lesson and the gospel reading in church last Sunday. And that, of course, is where Jesus declares to the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we talked about that extraordinary declaration that, first off, rather than Jesus directing us to a way we must follow, or a truth we must find, or a life we must achieve, Jesus says, if you have me, you have all that. So as long as we have Jesus, who is present with us in his word and his sacraments, then we have all that we need. We have the way to heaven because we have Jesus. We have, we have God's truth because we have Jesus. And we have life in Christ because Christ is with us. Of course, when Jesus says that, he is about to be arrested and crucified. After he rises again, he'll be with the disciples for 40 days. And then he will, um, he will ascend into heaven and be visible no more to them. So... Um, Will they still have Jesus? We pick it up then, uh, John 14, with this week's lesson, verses 15 through 21. And remembering that Jesus has just said, 
a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He begins here by saying in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, to love Jesus is to keep his commandments. Now, the word keep has a couple of different nuances to it. One means to obey, as in keep the rules, obey the rules. And the other means to guard or or to treasure. And so often when Jesus says, keep my word, keep my teachings, he's not just saying, you better obey my rules. He's also saying, guard my word, treasure my word, because in it you find forgiveness and life and salvation. Now here Jesus says, keep my command. So there is an emphasis here on obedience. They are to consider his word a precious treasure. And his word includes instructions that they are to carry out. So if they love Jesus, they are to do what he has told them to do. Part of that is hold fast to the promise that although he is about to be crucified, he will rise from the dead. But once he is risen, after the dust has settled, they are to carry out his, his commands to spread his word, to remain faithful to, to what he has taught them and to teach it to others as well. So they are to guard his word and treasure it. They are to obey it. And their obedience involves proclaiming it and teaching it to others. All right, so Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he says this in in verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this becomes an ongoing theme in Jesus' words to the disciples of the Last Supper in John. He is going to depart, go back to his father soon. And so he says here, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now the word there for helper is that word paraclete. And the word paraclete comes from the Greek word parakaleo, which more or less is a verb that means to say what needs to be said. So technically in Greek, The word paraclete often referred to a legal advocate, the lawyer who made the arguments on your behalf. More generally, the paraclete is one who says what needs to be said, so he might invite or call or cheer up or encourage or comfort or excite or admonish or exhort or demand or require Whatever needs to be said, that's that's what a paraclete does. Now, of the many things a paraclete could say, 
Given the context of the Last Supper, the somberness, the awareness of the disciples that Jesus' death is drawing near, um, helpers in a bad translation, comforter is probably the, the, the greatest, most predominant of the meanings in this text. And we note two things here. One is that um, Jesus defines this helper as the spirit of truth. This is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And we have the Trinity at work here because the Son asks the Father to give the Spirit to the disciples. And this is the Spirit of truth. Now, Jesus has just said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the Spirit of truth is closely connected with Jesus, the truth. Keeping that in mind, we know that Jesus didn't just say that the Father would give them a helper, but Jesus says, the Father will give you another helper. Up to now, the disciples have had a helper, a paraclete. They've had one who says what needs to be said. Namely, they've had Jesus. And Jesus has delivered to them the whole counsel of God, yes. He has insisted that God's commandments remain in effect. He has spoken of God's mercy. He has demonstrated that he is the Messiah prophesied by the scriptures. He has declared to them that salvation is for them through him. And so for reconciliation with God, for salvation, for forgiveness and justification, Jesus has been the helper, the paraclete, who has said all that needs to be said. And now that he will no longer visibly be with them, another comforter was another comforter is coming the spirit of truth and he will continue to do what jesus has done he will say what needs to be said how through the word of god the word that jesus has repeated to them that jesus has taught them now as they proclaim that to others as others speak it out loud so the Holy Spirit will be at work in that word to continue to remind them of the truth, rebuild their faith in that truth, and to bring them to repentance and confession and announce to them the forgiveness of sins. Now Jesus says that the world cannot receive the spirit of truth, because unbelief says no to the gifts of God. And so the world cannot receive the spirit of truth because the world neither sees him nor knows him. But, says Jesus, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So already, says Jesus, while the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit already dwells with them because the Spirit keeps on arriving whenever the word of God is proclaimed. And, and this is a um, quick, quick side note here. This is something that people kind of get confused on with, uh, with the work of the Holy Spirit. Because in, in John 20, when Jesus 
arrives in the locked room, having risen from the dead, and says the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit arrives and and rests upon the apostles. Um, It has people saying, well, didn't the Holy Spirit arrive back in John 20, so is how come he's arriving now in Acts chapter 2? And the answer is, the Holy Spirit keeps coming. This is not a one-time thing. Even though he arrives in John chapter 20, when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, he also arrives in Acts chapter 2 once again. And here Jesus says that he dwells with you already because Jesus... The Word made flesh has been speaking the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is at work through that Word. All right, with that, back to to the text here. Um, Jesus says, The world cannot receive the Spirit of truth because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. The disciples know Him because they have faith. And they have faith because... Christ has given them faith, and the Holy Spirit has worked faith through the word that Jesus has taught them. Now, this seems kind of like a a contradiction, but it is not. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth because the world does not have faith, and unbelief rejects the Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, it is the Holy Spirit who overcomes unbelief by the word of God, and gives faith so that the world might believe in Jesus. So, the upshot of this is that the Holy Spirit forces no one to believe. So, if the world rejects the Holy Spirit, then the world still does not believe in Jesus. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is still at work in that word, to give faith in Jesus to all who do believe. Now, why do some believe and others do not? We can't say why. We can't even say that believers resist the Holy Spirit less than unbelievers do. We don't know why some believe and some don't. We know that where people believe, that is the work of the Holy Spirit who gives faith. And where people do not believe, that is their own work of rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. Beyond that, we cannot say. All right, so Jesus says, you know the spirit of truth. For he dwells with you and will be in you. If if you're wondering the word dwell, there is not the same as John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the the Holy Spirit does not tent or tabernacle with us. Rather, Rather, the word there for dwell means remain. And so by his holy word, the Holy Spirit who keeps coming every time the word is proclaimed, also remains with the disciples and with all believers. With the presence of the Holy Spirit then, verse 18 and following has extra comfort. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. 
Because I live, you also will live. So Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Um, and, and orphans here is probably along the lines of, of students without a rabbi. And what I mean by that is, is that Jesus never calls the disciples his children. He calls them children of his father. He doesn't call them his children. He is rather their brother. I guess we could say stepbrother because Jesus is only begotten from eternity and the disciples are, are adopted um, by the grace of God. But um, Jesus declares that they are not forsaken, they are not abandoned. I suppose that the disciples could be considered orphans if they are children of the Father because Jesus is their life and then Jesus is crucified and, and, and dead. But nevertheless, his resurrection is sure and then in the meantime, um, the Lord has not forsaken them. Now, Jesus says in verse 19, a little while and, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And this is a marvelous thing about the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is another helper in that. By the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is still present with his people. He doesn't say, now that the Holy Spirit is taking over, I'm going to kick back in heaven on my throne until I return in glory. Instead, he says... Though the world will not see me, I will come to you. And so as we are washed by water and the Spirit in holy baptism, Jesus is present there, for we are joined to his death and resurrections, as Romans 6. As the Holy Spirit works through the proclaimed word of God, Jesus is there because he is the word made flesh. As the Holy Spirit works the word of God to consecrate the elements of the Lord's Supper, how can Jesus not be there? It's his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So by the work of the Holy Spirit, remaining with God's people, Jesus is also present with his people too. Jesus goes on in verse 20, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now this is um, really mysterious stuff. Um, in that day is, is a great Old Testament phrase. It signals something new, something that is ushered in because of an act of God. Um, in this case, the act of God is the resurrection. So, in that day when I am risen from the dead, and you're at peace with me and God, and your, your fears of my death are, are cast aside, then something new will be realized. You will know that I am in my Father because my Father will raise me from the dead after I have accomplished His will for your salvation. 
you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And that is the the stunning, mysterious part that Jesus compares his union with his people, with his union with his Father. Now, God the Father and God the Son have been two persons of one God since eternity. So to describe their union is just beyond our ability in the words that we have to describe. But far from Jesus saying that, you know, you're, you're merely sheep in my fold, sheep in my flock... He says, you are in me and I am in you. We are in communion with one another as I am in my Father. I don't think we can explain that. But what great comfort there is in those words for us. Because if Jesus says before... No one can snatch you out of my hand or out of my Father's hand. How much more certain or real is that promise to us if we don't just belong to Jesus, but we are united with him. He is in us and we are in him. And that is how Jesus describes his relationship to us and our relationship to him Because he has died to redeem us, and he is risen from the dead. Well, if we are are in fact joined to Christ, who is also one with God, then that should be reflected in our lives and in what we do. And so Jesus goes on to say in verses in verse 21 rather whoever has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him So the one who is in Jesus has his commandments and the one who is in Jesus wants to do what Jesus does and so he wants to keep Jesus' commandments and do them. Please note the sequence. We don't become one with Jesus because we keep his commandments. It's because we are one with Jesus that we want to keep his commandments. Every temptation to sin, then, is to say, stop being one with Jesus, opt for sin instead. And every repentance on our part is to say, no, Jesus has made me one with him, so why would I leave that for sin? Still then, the the one who uh, keeps Jesus' commandments is the one who does not break off his fellowship with Jesus by sinning. And so Jesus says, the one who loves me 
will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Again, this is best understood not as the one who keeps my commandments is the one that I love, but rather because I have made you one with me, you want to keep my commandments because sin would break off that fellowship with me. So by not sinning, by keeping my commandments, you remain one with me. And as the Father loves me, so the Father loves you. And I love you too. Now, one, one more distinction I think that's important for us to make is people might do the math wrong and say, well, if Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in Jesus, and Jesus is in us and we are in Him, does that mean that we have become divine? That we too are, are God? And again, this is, uh, well, first off, the answer to that question is no. We don't want to explain too much because we risk the danger of saying more than Scripture says, and that's always a problem. The key to this is the incarnation. Jesus is fully God and fully man. As fully God, he is, he is one with the Father. And fully man, he has become like us. And so because he is, he is fully man, he is in us and we are in him. And he is with us and in us as both God and man. And because he is fully God, he is with his Father and in his Father as both God and man. Jesus is the bridge between us and God the Father, but God remains, God the Father remains God alone, and we humans remain human alone. Uh, we, we remain God's creation. We don't become divine ourselves. At any rate, what, what comfort we have in this text that Jesus does not leave his disciples hopeless as he prepares for his crucifixion and resurrection. He promises them the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete who remains. And that's a great comfort for you and me too because the Holy Spirit continues to be at work through the word and the sacraments today to deliver Jesus to us so that being in Jesus and Jesus being in us, we too might have access to the Father. It really is astonishing how, how uh, the triune God is so interested not just in salvation, but in you and in your salvation. Uh, what, what joy that is. So um, that concludes our look on John 14, verses 15 to 21. God grants you every good gift as you meditate upon this marvelous text further.
God grant you every blessing if you're teaching this text to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.